We continue or conclude our series that has been running at the 6pm City Night Service on words that win. And last week and over the last couple of weeks you've heard in this series how the words you speak carry power and potency to build up or to tear down. You have learned about the words that became labels that you began to own. And I know last week you did some real work on getting rid of those labels, at tearing them off of your life, at rejecting those labels. You heard about words that release you into your destiny instead. Um, and words can be a positive or a negative thing that leads you rightly or wrongly. But ultimately, what you say, you have, as Mark 11, verse 23, pointed out. So there's power in our speech and power in our words and power in what we say. And it's almost as if there is creative power that we received uh, when Adam was created. I'll speak a little bit more about that. But today, we look at the word of God. So words that win, but the word wins is where I'm going this evening. We look at the victory that is found in the word and its effective power in our lives. We learn to use the word in our everyday situations so that it becomes our norm and not occasional. So at home online right now, I'd like you to do something. So follow my instructions. Do you have a favorite scripture that you frequently quote or that you live by? Online, I'd like you to share it with each other. Only one, I know some of you have 100. Only one, why? Because if you share lots and lots, people will be distracted and they will miss the message. So you need to be fair to people. But each of you there online, why don't you share the scripture that's been your favorite? that you have frequently quoted, or you feel that you have lived by. And those of you that are in here, perhaps you have such a scripture on your heart, one that is a favorite verse that you hear, that you quote, that you read, that you go back to time and time again. And it's something that you live by. I hope that yours is ready, Pastor Scott. I hope that yours is ready, Maxine. One of the words of God that spoke into my heart over many, many years and continues to be what I would call a favorite is in Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. It says, um, be careful for nothing in one version, but I like the Amplified where it says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But instead, with prayer, and supplication with prayer and asking, make your requests known to God. Verse 7 says, The peace of God which passes all understanding will then keep your hearts and keep your minds. So that scripture for me is something that I live by, that I shouldn't fear, I shouldn't fret, I shouldn't worry 
it, it became such a thing that I saw worry as a sin because I was doing opposite to what the word of God was telling me to do. Do not fret. Do not have anxiety about anything, but instead, as you pray, thank God and watch his peace flood your heart, flood your mind. Pastor Scott, are you ready? Why don't you come and share with us a scripture that has over the years been your favorite. Maxine, get ready, please. Thank you. So for, for me, one of the ones that always stands out is Job 17, 9. The righteous will always hold to his ways, and he who has clean hands grows stronger and stronger. Amen. That speaks to him. Maxine, come and share with us. Oh, she's, <laughs> you, what, you're not ready. <laughs> I didn't ask them before. I didn't prepare them. Hoy, she says. Maxine is one of our second year Bible school students. Let's give her a round of applause as she comes. Everybody's fretting now. You're getting something ready because you think, oh my goodness, she's going to pick on me. Don't pick on me. I'm not ready. I don't have one. Don't pick on me. I don't want to come on the platform. It's okay. I'll just do the two. <laughs> she's not ready yet. So I'm going to share a second one that um, I go back to over and over again. So when there are times when I feel like I'm, I'm not accepted, there are times that I feel like I haven't done a great job and I feel a bit worthless. It does happen. The scripture that I go back to time and time again, and I quote it almost every time I preach, and now I'm doing it again, is Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. For we were created for his pleasure. So then I tell myself that I am created for your pleasure. I remind myself what the word of God says. Another version says, I was willed into being by God. And that makes me understand by his word that he wanted me, that he willed me into being. He created me for his own pleasure. That lifts me up, that builds me up, that sets me free. That word comes again into my life and it does something to me, releasing me and setting me free. So they're my two scriptures. I could have two online, you can only have one so you don't distract anybody. I hope you're sharing and blessing each other. Maxine, thank you so much for um, being willing and able. Please share the scripture that is your favorite at times and, and frequently comes into your life and you stand on. John 15:13. I like it. Right? Greater love has no one Ooh. than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. For me, I know Jesus is my friend, Amen. and he's the one that I can lean on in times of trouble. When I'm feeling lonely, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling like everybody's against me, I know that Jesus is the one I can anchor into, and he's my best friend. Can we give her a round of applause, please? Thank you, Maxine, very much. Hallelujah. So we're not alone because we have the word of God with us, don't we? Now, why did the word of God prevail mightily in the book of Acts 19.20? So let me share my text. The book of Acts 19, 
verse 20, it says, So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and was prevailing, was strong, was staying. Why in those days in the book of Acts? This was the days when the word was being preached by the apostle Paul and also it was followed with demonstrations of miracles coming out of that word, coming out of that sharing of the gospel message. And some who did not know Christ but loved the miracles figured that it was just another type of power they could take hold of. They didn't understand the power that they... um, nor did they understand his power. So they thought they could conjure up the power that they saw at work through the Apostle Paul. But what happened when they tried to cast a demon out of somebody is that they were attacked by the one man who overpowered them and they all fled naked. They made a big mistake because they couldn't overpower the evil one. They discovered that day the word was more powerful than the powers of magic, the powers of evil, the powers of the occult, and any other practices in that day. There was something more powerful. It showed all of them that day. It showed them up, and they had to understand that they couldn't just mimic or or think they were better. So that is why it says the word of God of the Lord was growing mightily and it was prevailing. Another translation says, thus mightily did the Lord's message spread and triumph. So the message of the Lord or the word of the Lord triumphed. It was victorious in that time and no one could overcome it or do anything against it. Uh, A second translation, and I always look at different translations so that I understand a fuller meaning of the scriptures. Thus the word of the Lord increased and prevailed with dominion, with ownership, with authority, with power. This is the word of God that we're talking about tonight. The word that wins, God's word wins in every situation. So many times in the Bible, God is proven when he comes up against mankind. His power prevails. His power triumphs. His dominion is shown. In the book of 1 Kings, you don't have to turn to it, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 to 46. There is a fight between false prophets who are under the rule or the days of, uh, King of Ahab and Jezebel. And, and they were the false prophets of a false god called Baal. And they were challenged. And the people were told to choose either the false god or the god of Elijah. God answered by fire. They had been calling all day long for fire to come down upon their offering on their altar. All day, to the point that Elijah became quite cruel, taking the mickey out of them, goading them. Come on, where's this God of yours? Towards the evening, he poured water all over his own offering. He dampened it so that there would be no excuse, nobody wondering, well, it was dry and and the, 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 the sticks came together and caught fire. And when he called on his God, fire 
came down. So God has always been challenged, and yet his word prevails, yet God prevails. Uh, Satan made a challenge to Job, but Job did not sin. Satan asked God, give him to me, let me trouble him, let me mess up his life, let me let him lose everything and become sick, and he will curse you. But Job would not curse God with his mouth. He has a powerful scripture I'm going to share a little bit later. What about the story in the days of King Darius or Darius? He discovered God's power and triumph when he put Daniel in the lion's den. And when that den was opened, the lion was still and Daniel was alive. The power and the triumph of God. Or King Nebuchadnezzar, as he discovered with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He throws them in the fire, and the next morning, he goes to see what's happened, and all he sees is four men in the fire, because Jesus Christ, the word of God, was with them, and they were not burned. He had to declare that their God was the true God. It triumphed again. What about Peter in the New Testament, imprisoned, and stuns everybody and those who had imprisoned him when the angel set him free. He's knocking at the door. I was preaching it the other day, and even the servant girl was excited. Peter's there at the door, and the people praying for him wouldn't believe it. But yet they had been praying, let him out, let him out. We believe you, God. And there is a challenge against God's power, and God prevails. Or Paul and Silas, they were imprisoned. And the chains fell off, and the prison doors opened. They had been worshipping, and they had been praising God. And the prison doors opened. God's power was at work. God's victory always with each in those situations. So, the word of God, what is it? Without that word, we can't know God. Without looking in this Bible, without reading it, how can we know who God is and what he says? So to the book of John, very uh, common uh, quoted um, verses here. The book of John, chapter 1. I'll read a couple of verses from there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning, the Word was there, and the Word was God. They were one. He was in the beginning with God. He, the Word. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What is that scripture talking about? It's talking about the fact that from the very beginning, the word of God was with God. The word of God was there at creation, creating things. That word came out of the mouth of God. Let there be light. And what's exciting is that we understand that that word came down from glory into the form of flesh, whom we know as Jesus Christ. The word of God living, alive, came down as flesh. The anointed one. What did he do when he came down? He came on the earth and he demonstrated the power of God. This word made flesh demonstrated the power of God. And he had victory over sin 
and death because he bought our redemption. Jesus Christ, the word of God, was our doorway back to reconciliation with our maker. He was the way for us to return to God, to come back into fellowship with him and relationship with him. We must understand that when we speak about Jesus Christ, we're speaking about the living word of God, which has power. When we speak the word of God from this Bible here, we're speaking through the victory that Christ won for us on the cross. If we're born again, we have already received that victory that Christ won for us when he went to the cross. There's no doubt about that. So why does what we say have power then? Why, over the last couple of weeks, when Pastor Scott and Corin were ministering about the effect of words and, and, and the importance of speaking words over your life that cause you to win? Well, before the fall of man, God made mankind. We know in Genesis that he formed man from the dust of the earth. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit made man in their image. And I say it like that so that we understand the Trinity the Father, the Son, which is the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit, which did the doing as he spoke. Light came. They gave us, they gave mankind dominion over the earth to be responsible for it, to command things. So there's creative power in man's words, in what comes out of his mouth. And it's so important that we begin to live our lives again through the word that wins. Many of us don't pick up our Bibles more than once per week. Many of us pick up our Bibles every single day, and yet we don't apply the word to our lives. So let me talk through a few scriptures that firstly show us what the word says about itself. What does the word of God say? Psalm 119, longest psalm in the Bible, verses 89 and 90. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed or settled. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations, and you have established the earth, and it stands fast. So your word is settled, your faithfulness endures forever through all generations. You established the earth, you said let there be, and that stands forever. So that's something powerful about the word, that it's firm, it's fixed, it's immovable, it's settled. Isaiah 55 verse 11, some of you in your Bible app would have seen that scripture earlier this morning. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God's word goes out of his mouth and doesn't come back empty. That means it has power. That means it's alive. But what he sent it to do, it will do. And it will succeed. It will win. Why aren't we using the word more over our lives if the word of God wins? Hebrews 4, verse 12. When I was first born again and I was preaching within the first year 
of being born again in the church that I was in, they, my nickname was Sister Fire. But all I used to do was just preach about the Word of God and its power. I was in love with the Word of God. I was crazy over the Word of God. I'd, I'd met the Word of God in a way that changed my life completely, and I believed everything that the Bible said. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active. Well, Jesus is still alive, isn't he? He died on the cross and rose again. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If something wasn't alive, how could it know what's in our hearts? The Amplified Version, my favorite version of the Bible, says, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. The word wins, it's full of power, it's alive. It's active, operative, energizing, effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit. It's so powerful, it gets into our spirits. It's so powerful, it can differentiate what is going on in our spirits. It can differentiate what is going on in our souls and in our bodies. The word of God sustains us. <laughs> God's life was breathed into man. And his word sustains us in this earth. It cuts deep in, in the place where our souls and our spirit meets. God's word, as it were, judges a person's thoughts and intentions. So it's alive. Again, Psalm 119, and I'm just telling you what the word of God says about itself. Uh, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it's a guide, it's a light, it shines, it causes us to see, it reveals things to us, this word of God. It's powerful. John 17, 17, sanctify or wash or cleanse them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the word of God is living and active. The word of God is powerful and effective. The word of God is truth. The word of God is light. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25 says, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Again, we spoke earlier. It's settled. It doesn't move. It remains forever. It's static. It's there. It doesn't change. The word of God is forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. It says in 1 Peter, it remains forever. So this word of God is powerful. It's victorious. It accomplishes and it's established, it's created. It, 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 if it's sung and spoken about um, in front of us, it, we declare and it creates as it were. So Psalm 19, which I quoted this morning, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The earth speaks of him and what he creates. When I was um, a young Christian, there was a girl, I used to sing in a group, and um, the girl didn't like me. Yeah, well, come on. <laughs> For a particular reason. And I used to walk um, to go to the rehearsals that we were in a group together. And as I was a new Christian, and I had gotten hold of, of a word, uh, which it was uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Cast down imaginations. 
So I would be going and walking on the road to the rehearsal in fear. How's she going to treat me today? What's she going to do to me today? How will I be rebuffed and rejected when I, I, I haven't done anything wrong? Sometimes we think we've done nothing wrong and we have, but we don't realise that we've offended people. But as I was walking along, that word, that scripture became powerful to me for each rehearsal, to the point that I actually wrote a song. Casting down imaginations, amen, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's how I'm the victor over all my circumstance. That was the basic word. But do you know, by singing that and repeating that word and casting down the thoughts of fear, the word being alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, the word being active, do you know Everything changed. Without me arguing, without me saying, why do you treat me like that? Without me challenging, a letter arrived one day. She apologized for all that she had done to me. She wrote me a poem because I stood on the word. I didn't do what I would have ordinarily done before I was born again. Go and argue, go and pick a fight. I just kept singing that scripture over my life, telling myself I cast down those thoughts of fear, those thoughts of the wickedness that might happen to me. God changed her heart toward me. The power of the word of God. Are we using that in our lives effectively? So I've told you what the word is in the word and what the word says about itself. But in order for us to really take hold of the word, don't we have to receive the word? So 1 Peter 1.25 that I just quoted, it ends with the fact that the word was preached. And this is the word or the good news that was preached to you. Implying some at least received the word. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men. There's a difference, isn't there? When a man speaks and when God speaks, there's a difference. For one truly has power and has already won Victory is already in there. Triumph is already in there. Dominion is already in there. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. The word of God is in, at work in us already. What are we doing with it? So here is a declaration that it is the word of God, not man, and that it was received. We have to receive the word of God into our hearts, but constantly. Psalm 119, again, beautiful psalm, verses 11 to 16. I have hidden your word in my heart. I love this. I love it. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might live right, so that I might have power to live right. I love it because it makes me think of a secret thing that becomes mine, that nobody can take away from me. I've hidden your word in my heart, the psalmist said. Praise be to you, Lord. 
Teach me your decrees. Teach me your laws. Teach me your words. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. So this psalmist would repeat those laws, would speak them to himself. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I rejoice in following you, in following what you've laid down, in following what you've said. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. Verse 16, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The psalmist knew how important it was to hide the word in his heart and not neglect it, not forget it, but do something with it. Colossians 3, 16, there's a lot of scripture, isn't there? So you know you can go back and watch it online so that you can really capture the scriptures. Let the word of Christ, let you have the power to do it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly or live in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. We have to receive the word and we have to allow the word to live in us so we know who the word is and what the word says about itself. And now we understand that we must be receivers of the word. And then what do we do with it? We now must cultivate a lifestyle of winning, a lifestyle of applying the word to our lives so that we win. We, 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 the word of God has to live in us constantly. It has to be the first thing in our lives, the first thing in our minds, the first thing in our hearts. It must somehow come first for us, that we live by it. So Colossians 3 is a bit of an instruction, let the word admonishing one another, singing to one another. When people see that, that will be an evidence of a lifestyle of God's word in us. That we let the word live in us richly. Let's see how many scriptures I can miss out so that I can get to my last point. All scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, is breathed out by God and profitable for the teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the word of God equips us. Scripture is breathed by God, spoken by God, and it benefits us. It teaches us, it reproves us, it corrects us, it trains us in righteousness. Why would we live without the word? Why would we neglect the word in our lives? Why would we not live a life that's full of the power of the word of God? 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We take this word and we begin to say, God, I don't understand what it means. Show me. I want to live by it, reveal its meaning so that I can walk with you and so that I can make your work alive in me and work in me, affecting my life, my family, my community, affecting the world. Matthew 4.4 4 says, man shall not live by bread alone. We won't live and survive by the food that we eat, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God showing the importance of the word in our lives, 
It's important to eat and maintain a good, healthy, balanced diet, etc. But more important is living by that word of God, letting the word of God be our guide, letting the word of God which is triumphant, letting the word of God which is victory, which is powerful, be evident in our lives. Now, this is where we go back to Job, when Satan had asked God, give, give him to me, let me, <laughs> let me <laughs> cause him to sin and turn against you. But here is what Job said in verse 23, chapter 23, verse 12. I've not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job knew that the words that came out of God's mouth were more than the food that he needed to live. Job realized he needed God's word more than food. He couldn't do life without the word. Do we think like that yet? Can I do life without you, Lord? Without your word, without your guidance? We spend hours and hours and hours listening to stuff on social media now. Hours and hours. Sometimes I open my phone because I need to send someone a message. 30 minutes later, I've forgotten that I opened my phone to send somebody a message because I'm reading all else. So distracted. And we can give that time. But giving time to the Word, seeing the Word of God as necessary, it's a fight, isn't it? It's a battle. How do I make it have preeminence? How do I make it the first, the biggest thing in my life? Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. And we're hearing a lot of things on social media. We're hearing a lot of things that we pass on to each other. But it says, so faith comes from hearing. But hearing what? Hearing through the word of Christ. The Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if we're going to please God, then we need to hear the word where faith comes through it. We need to hear the word so that we can please God. We can't live without the word. We need it so that we have faith and so that we live a life of faith. So it boils down to the fact that we have to become lovers of the word of God, desire it, submit to it, and allow it to be the first and the most important thing, as I said. When I'm leaving my house in the mornings, I've got a calendar that somebody kindly gives me each year, and it's got scripture. And I used to rush out the door, read it, run away, and forget what I was reading. But now, every day, it's become so important that I remember the scripture that I've read. And I do something with it when I get to the office or wherever it is I'm going. I go to the Word of God, and I see what that scripture's talking about, what it means, what, what else was said in that Bible passage. Because I want the word of God to live in me richly. I want to be able to speak the word when I need wisdom. When I'm in a situation that I don't know how to get out of or I don't know how to change it. And allow the word of God to direct and lead and bring that change. His word wins. We were singing earlier what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name. What a powerful name the word is. The word wins. It has dominion. It's victorious. It's powerful. It's effective. And if we live with it and through it, we win too. If we apply it to every aspect of our lives, including hearing the word, 
seek to hear God's revelation through his word in our life situations, we win. It must become our norm. So I go to bed at night because I've got to try and get this word in me as much as I can. I've been on a a kind of um, journey since last year. How much of the word do I know? When I was a young Christian, I remembered the word of God so clearly. And was it the zeal that you have when you're first born again? Was it the fact that a friend of mine had put hundreds of scriptures, had printed them off, and I had them all plastered over my bedroom wall, and every day I would look at the word, read the word? I don't know. But last year I said, boy, it's almost like it's become a bit dull in my life. I want to be on fire for the word of God again. I want to desire it so much. And so... I began to play the Bible at night time. There's an audio Bible, you know, on the Bible apps. I'm learning these things. And I will play the Bible for one hour or two hours, depending on what time I go to bed, so that I'm hearing the word as I go to sleep. And it's impacted my life. It's become more important than anything anybody could teach me. It's become more important than anything I might get excited about watching on the TV. It's become so important that... I kind of carry it. And I don't know how to teach individuals how you get more of the word in you. Uh, Again, people who read and they love reading, they will remember what they've um, read, and it's really important, and reading the word is important, and studying it. But it's just important that the word is a big, 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 big part of our lives. Because it always wins. It triumphs. It has to become the norm for us. Normal. That is the word first. What does the word say? Way up against everything else that's happening in our lives. As as I'm about to close, I wanted to give you one more exercise. I would like you to close your eyes at home and close your eyes here, if you will. What I'd like you to do is think of a situation that's current. She's not going to share this. And as you close your eyes, ask the Lord for the word that you can apply to that situation. So you're going to think of a situation that's current. And you're going to ask the Lord, give me a word that I can apply to that situation. There's a situation I'm going to pray with somebody tonight when I get home, where there's infighting in the home. And... um, The home needs peace. So we're going to take a scripture that speaks peace and we're going to command peace to reign and rule in that home. What situation might you be in that you need a word from the Lord that has power and carries victory and can be effective in that situation? Sometimes we absolutely don't know what to do. And sometimes by speaking the word, we still don't know how God will come through, yet he turns the situations around. Because we stay in the word, we trust him, we obey him, faith rises up. The word is alive and has power. One more encouragement is those of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit and we speak in other tongues, the Bible says in Corinthians 14, 4, that we're not speaking to men, we're speaking to God. And and that God, the Holy Spirit, prays. The word of God 
the solutions of God for us on our behalf. So speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, using your prayer language if you have it, is really important. And if anybody would like to, because you don't yet speak in other tongues, you must be born again first. Perhaps some of us can stay behind here this evening and pray with you if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's important to use your prayer language that encourages you to pray. You build yourself up, as 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says. You build yourself up in the Lord, in the Word, in the things of God, by praying regularly as well in other tongues. So we're going to do something with the Word of God. Are we going to hide it in our hearts? Are we going to have this Word winning all the time, the Word that already wins in our lives? As we do that, and I will close with a prayer shortly, I just want to speak to the people who may be under the sound of my voice in here or online. You can't apply the word of God the way that we've been speaking about and journeying tonight and was shared by, Scott shared by Maxine. Because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Even though I've spoken earlier on that Christ came And because of his work on the cross, he brought us back and reconciled, he rejoined us, he gave us an open door to be able to go to God, the Father, our creator again. What Christ did on that cross was he took the sins of the world upon himself. He saw the state of man who had fallen at creation. And God worked a plan to say, I want the people I created back for myself in relationship with me and not with the enemy, not with the works of darkness. And so Christ, because he was pure and without sin, came down from heaven in the form of man and went to the cross having spent his years on earth demonstrating the power of God the Father and of himself. He went to the cross And he paid for our sins. He died and took upon himself the sins of the world, the weight of the world. He gave a great exchange that day. That we would live because he died. That we would have eternal life because he died. That we would be set free from sin because he took sin upon himself. That even sickness would not have to be our portion because he was wounded and bore pain in his body for us. If you don't know Jesus Christ, but you believe what I'm saying today, that he died so that you could be set free, then right there where you are at home, go on our website. There are indications of how you can become born again, but I'm going to pray a prayer. Let us know. Contact us for help. Those of you in here that may pray the prayer, we have a welcome team waiting to take you through a new journey. So if you have believed that Christ went to the cross and died for you, and you want the power of the word at work in your life that wins, then pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you today. I repent of my sins. For I acknowledge that I am a sinner. 
but I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross, that you paid the price for me, that you rose again, and that you have apportioned to me eternal life. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart and live in me forever. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you all of you for helping pray that prayer tonight. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, then members of our welcome team are available. They have blue t-shirts. You can raise your hand or you can go and see one of them on, on your way out of the building. We have some welcome team members here. Again, at home, contact us. Our pastoral care line 207 1700 or speak to us on our website and let us know that you tonight have given your life to Jesus Christ and that you're beginning a journey of now working with and learning the word that works and wins in your life and that gives you victory. Amen? I'm going to read a final scripture and then pray for everyone here. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And he, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He upholds us and everything by the word of his power. Other versions and translations say by his powerful word, but I like that the word of his power, his radiance, his glory shines.